Hello, Tune In listeners. You are listening to Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. And I am your host, Keela Parkinson, on WVLP and also on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you may have found our podcast version. We are talking, as we do every week, about mindfulness. What does it mean? How do you do it? Why should you do it? Why was would it not ever work for you? Yada, yada. All this kind of fun stuff. And today also happens to be my lovely annual spring allergy season day. So we'll see how I get through this without coffee, right? No cough button because we're not officially in the studio and I think there's not a cough button in the studio anyway. But today (laughs) I have a super fun guest on the show who has been in the WVLP studios many times. She is a Valparaiso. Are you a native of Valpo? I graduated from Oh, now we're having a Zoom lag. Okay, we weren't, but now we are. <laughs> Say that again. Yep. <laughs> we're, I consider myself both. I both. grew up in between the two towns, okay. and that's blasphemous, because you got to pick <laughs> one side or the other if you're Valpo or Chesterton, but I okay. really am kind of both. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a region native, so they're kind of kind of blended for me. I know, oh. I shouldn't say that, but... Okay, so our guest is Jenny <laughs> bennett Bashensky. Welcome yep. to... Thank you so much. Thank you. So awesome to be here. It's so awesome. You know, and I was going to say too, like you know, because you are a Valpo resident now, because you are a Chesterton native, right? But you you are from that whole area, from the region. She's also quite the uh, pro at Popcorn Fest. She's quite you know (laughs) grown up there. She's done all that. You've been a vendor. You've been a planner. You've done all the things, which is so amazing. So for our local listeners, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Jenny Bennett Bashensky for all the things that you have done for Valpo and continue to do for Valpo yeah yeah I um I started in the in the wedding and party planning industry I've been doing that since 2003 so long time wow that's Um, how long I've been married (laughs) right um and and have had the privilege since I started doing event coordinating of also doing community events, nonprofit stuff, farmers market, um, chamber of commerce activities, those things. So it's it's really been an honor to um, be able to to serve people in that way too. Yeah, and speaking of serving, so you have actually started a brick and mortar in person event space for people uh-huh. in the events industry. That listeners really get this. She started during the pandemic. I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love started, the cojones on that. <laughs> well, and it, it started actually because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. because all of my vendor friends were trying to do consultations at home at their dining room table with the dog and the kids and the husband, right? right? So that worked for a minute and a half, and then they all went, oh, no, no. Yeah. So, um, so we... Uh, it was it was serendipity, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. But we kind of landed in this space accidentally, quote mm. unquote. Uh, <laughs> and four weeks later, we were up and running uh, at the end of 2020. And we have this three room space on Indiana Avenue called Orchestrated Events. Nice. And it's office space and a showroom space and a little coffee suite where we can sit down with brides or clients. I love and, it. Um, not have to do it at Panera or at a coffee shop. We <laughs> yeah. can actually have these conversations and and chat about their wedding or their event. And then we've got 15 small businesses under our roof that come alongside and help plan it. That's so cool. Okay, it's so now, is it kind of like a consortium of planners? Do people have, like, if, if vendors wanted to connect with you and, like, use the space, right, and be part yes. of that, how so, do they do that? So, that's a great question. It's actually membership-driven. So we have three different membership packages. And if a vendor in the hospitality industry needs physical space to do something like this, mm. they can choose a membership tier and become a part of us. Um, we cap each category at three vendors. So okay. like right now, we do have three DJs. So we don't okay. need any more DJs. But um, we've got DJs and photographers and florists and jewelry designers and and furniture and prop rental and Love decorators it. and... Um, the big giant outdoor movie screens and all of these things to make events creative because mm. some people just want to do outside now mm-hmm. and we've got the stuff and some people are ready to go back to traditional inside so we've got the stuff i really feel like it's it's a one-stop shop which sounds cliche but it, it literally <laughs> is where right. depending on the client's comfort level and depending on um 
the scale of their event. I really think we can tackle about anything. So that's really cool. So not only can vendors connect with you and, you know, and use the space for their services, <clears throat> excuse me, but also people who are planning a wedding can just walk in and be oh, like, yeah. point me, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Very, very, very convenient. Super cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So that's really awesome. It's surprisingly, though, it's not the topic of our show today, even though it's actually really, really interesting, right? And I'm sure we'll keep coming back to it because it definitely is going to weave into things we're talking about. You mentioned sure. that you've done lots of events around the area. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to probably keep clearing my throat. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> this, is the, this is life in the Midwest in the spring, if you're yeah. me. Uh, but um, yeah, so, so you also give presentations. Sometimes you do workshops for women. Um, and I believe sometimes it's skewed toward Christian women or women of a belief, but also anybody who's a woman who's ever had a fight <laughs> an argument, right? right? Because right. the topic that we're talking about today is this great workshop title that you have, which I just cannot wait to attend myself, called <laughs> <laughs> Compassionate Conflict. Did mm-hmm. I get that right? Yeah. Compassionate yep. Conflict. Sounds like an oxymoron. Right. Sure. Totally. Exactly. Right. For a lot of people. And so, um, so what the heck is compassionate conflict in a nutshell? And then you can get even deeper. <laughs> well, here's what's funny. We all know what conflict is. Yeah. Right? We mm-hmm. all know what that is. It's the idea of having conflict and still being nice. Mm. And that is so timely, whether you're looking yeah. at popular culture, oh. or social media or politics or whatever, you can disagree with people and still be a nice human. And yeah. so we actually have methodology that teaches that, whether it's with your spouse or your kid or your employer or whatever. Or somebody who's trolling your Facebook page. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's shrugging. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. All of that. Yes, yes. All of that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so. We all- we're really good at arguing. Yeah. We're not good at arguing well mm-hmm. or respectfully. And so- we don't teach our kids how to do that. Yes. And right. It's really important. You and I were talking before about um, the critical thinking, right? And how that's a skill set that has been part of curriculum, you know, in public schools. It's something that used to be taught very overtly in debate classes. And like that concept seems to be getting buried to a degree, right? It's more about like, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't go on a, go on a, (laughs) out on a limb and say what I think it's about. (laughs) We don't, we don't have to analyze the why. We can just talk about the what. I'll say in compassionate (laughs) and avoid the conflict. Sure, sure. But now, yeah, I think part of it is this belief that part of, part of the why, part of the reason I think we've lost it is because there's this fear that the universe isn't big enough. Mm. So if you're right, I'm not. So yeah. I need to be right and you won't be. So at least I know I get my piece of the pie because there's a subconscious belief that the pie is not big enough for both of us. And yeah. so where the faith part comes in, whether whether it's organized religion or whether it's just a lifestyle philosophy or spiritual, whatever, whatever, it's this belief that, no, the universe is big enough and there isn't a pie for both of us. Mm. That's a big, that's a really, it's a big shift. Yeah. Right. A big one for a lot of people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, if you're, if you're a long time listener of this show, maybe it's not for you. Hasn't, it's not a paradigm shift for you. Maybe you're like, yeah, of course that's right. That's called, we call that prosperity consciousness or whatever. Right. Like (laughs) (laughs) maybe, but maybe not. Maybe even if you're a long-term listener, maybe you're like, I'm still trying to buy into this stuff. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't know. And, and, you know, and if you're also wondering like, what does, compassionate conflict have to do with mindfulness well it has to, everything to do with it because if mindfulness is about being fully present and non-judgmental right then we can still have mm-hmm. an opinion and just observe that we're having an opinion right Absolutely. observe that we're having a feeling i love that and i also love that we're not saying like just be compassionate you know um, it's compassionate conflict it's like you're allowed to sure. have your opinion you're allowed to state your peace and you can do it kindly because sure. sometimes especially as women jenny i'm sure you all agree with this sometimes we get the message that like if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all and then we kind of it sort of translates to like your opinion doesn't matter your opinion doesn't count right, right? <laughs> So here's an example that I always give when you're voicing your opinion, right? So take this sentence, the car is red, okay? Mm -hmm. Four little words. Okay. You can say, the car is red. Or you can say, the car is red. Yeah. Or you can say, the car is red. (laughs) Same four words. Yeah. Completely different depending on how you say it. 
You can have your opinions all day long. If you're a witch about it, nobody's going to listen. You (laughs) can have the same opinion, be articulate and intelligent and respectful and mindful, and maybe somebody will listen to you also nice about it. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, and and obviously like compassionate conflict, you don't you can be any gender and you and utilize these skills, right? Obviously. <clears throat> so tell me why it's important to you to teach this skill set to women in particular. Um I I think I think it's completely subjective. I mm-hmm. think it's more of a or about preference. While I certainly think um men and, and kiddos benefit from it. I think that there is um, this misconception that we girlies need to make a choice. Mm. You're either going to be opinionated or you're going to be nice. Yeah. You can be both. Be nice and be strong. You can be in the boardroom and prove that you're intelligent. But if you're not kind and compassionate, if you don't balance those things, then if they're not listening to you, there's a pretty good chance they're gonna say well she is a woman in the boardroom you know Mm -hmm. so I almost think it's a little bit harder and a little bit more important that in order to get those opinions and those messages heard you have to have technique you have to have method so good okay so without having you like give away the farm what are some of the techniques and methods that you teach in this um I very much believe in my husband calls it mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. He, um, Eric's a business coach and he coaches yes. on this stuff. Also it a former much, guest on the show, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Check out his episode. Um, it, <laughs> it very much is a matter. So, so let's throw out some scenarios, right? I have to go into an employer and have an uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. So we are going to practice compassionate confrontation, which is one part of this conflict. I Mm -hmm. need to be able to go in front of this person who's in authority over me and have a difficult conversation. And before I can do that, I have to have my mindset right. We are valuable, intelligent people. And there's obviously an impasse here that we're going to talk about. But regardless of what their reaction is, I cannot control them. I can only control me. Mm -hmm. And so I prepare myself in advance that no matter what words are said or what sentiment comes across, I will remain in control of me Mm. because this person does not dictate my emotional response. Mm. This person's anger or frustration or um, surprise at my audacity or whatever (laughs) does not have the power to decide how I'm going to react in that situation. You have to decide those things for yourself mm-hmm. before you're in the difficult conversation. Yeah, that's great. That's a big one. <clears throat> that's a really big one. And I think that um, for a lot of times when people are going into what they know is kind of like the war room of debate, right? And um, sure. kind of mediation or whatever, right? Um, then a lot of times... I think it's really common to go into it with a sense of fear, you know, or a sense of like trying to wrestle control, right? Trying to be powerful, whatever. And like, um, I think that this skill set is not necessarily based in that, like, I win, you lose kind of philosophy, right? Exactly. Well, and and so then let's do another scenario where the roles are reversed. Mm -hmm. I'm mom and I've got to go talk to my teenager Mm -hmm. and have the difficult conversation. The the roles are reversed in that in the in the previous scenario. If I'm an employee going to talk to an employer, maybe the potential there is for me to be scared yeah. that I'm going to get fired or get yelled at or whatever. Mm-hmm. In the second scenario, where I'm going in as a parent and having a conversation with my teenager, maybe I'm feeling like I'm afraid the teenager is going to resent me or not love me anymore or whatever. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a there's a power play there. The mindset is the same though yeah i'm gonna go have this difficult conversation with my teenager who is experiencing some legit stuff and no matter how they react or what words they say if they say they hate me or love me or don't understand me or whatever i'm still in control of me yeah i'm still in control of my emotional response to the teenager that mindset is the same no matter who your audience is yeah, you know, that's great. I love that. And <clears throat> I, because your point is valid. Like, you know, we can go into it with the same amount of fear. 
whether we supposedly are the one in the position of power and control and decision making or not, right? Like there right. are tons well, yeah. of parents, right. right? Tons of parents well, who would especially approach a teen like, oh my gosh, I don't want to set them off, you know, like, right? Like I'm walking on eggshells kind of thing. And it's like, or make it worse yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. And yeah, uh-huh. and, and going into it like with a sense of pleading or something or like maybe like, uh-huh. right, letting them make the decisions that maybe they shouldn't make or it's not healthy or safe for them to, right? Yeah, because of this sense of like, the power is outside of me. The control is outside of me. The decisions are not mine to be made, right? That kind of a fear or lack or scarcity mindset like you were talking about, right? There's not enough it pie. absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's either it's either abundance mentality or firm mentality. Mm-hmm. Everything comes back to that. If mm-hmm. I believe that the universe is big enough, then I believe that there is enough resource for me to have this opinion and make myself heard. And even if I can't control the result, I can control my reaction to the result and feel empowered by the fact that I did what I could to improve the situation. It's the not doing anything that's the hard part. Like, you can sit around and be passive and be a victim. (laughs) Or you can learn this skill, self-advocate, and you'll start, people start to learn about you that this is a skill good at it yeah she does not ignore the elephant in the room but she stays really nice yes right and then it right and it gives people permission then to join in become resourceful and find a resolution a working resolution for all parties so nice yeah sure let's face it though you mentioned the victim mentality right and that's a real comfort (laughs) spot for a lot of people sure yeah Uh, here's here's the cool part about the mindset stuff about Mm -hmm. making a decision for yourself ahead of time. You can choose to be the victim Mm -hmm. or you can choose to be the victor. Mm -hmm. And, and that is a controversial statement because it makes it sound like you're, you're choosing whatever bad thing happened to you. Mm -hmm. That's not at all what that means. Right. What it means is there, there's a couple of good analogies. One of them is, um, for example, you're born with, diabetes and um you have to worry about insulin and prescriptions and diet and and as you age it gets worse and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. that's not your fault right um it is however your responsibility to not eat the chocolate cupcake that's going to put you in danger yeah so you can be in a situation that is not your fault yeah and that you are absolutely allowed to be scared and mad and frustrated because it's not fair it's not yeah you can either stay there it's not fair or you can acknowledge that it's not fair and then choose to not stay stuck and say okay this situation sucks but I still have control here and I'm not gonna eat the cupcake yeah right you can have it both ways you can you can you can acknowledge the fact that this is a crappy situation that you didn't ask for and that's okay. And then you move on and go, but here's mm-hmm. the control that I do mm-hmm. have over this situation. I don't have to stay stuck. Yeah. Right. She's clapping it out, friends. She's like, you can yeah. do this. I love that. So good. Listeners, yep. you are listening to Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul on WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, Indiana, streaming live around the world at WVLP.org. Tune in is underwritten in part by Unity of Northwest Indiana, currently developing the premier center for spiritual growth and education in NWI with meditation walks, retreat house events, and a soon-to-come peace park. Learn more and support the growing movement at unitynwi.org. We are talking with Jenny Bennett-Bashensky, who is the proprietor of, um, oh gosh, I just blanked on the name of the business. I'm going to blame my <laughs> sinus. Events. Orchestrated I was like, it's got to know. Yep. Orchestrated events, yes. Which is yep. such a wonderful, wonderful uh, concept and facility and brand new to uh, downtown Valpo. And also, uh, she happens to do this wonderful, great job in some of her events of teaching this awesome skill set, ready, <laughs> of compassionate conflict or even compassionate confrontation, which is like, I love that. That's like so forward thinking, right? Like, because it's confronting the problem. It's finding a resolution. It's like you said, not ignoring the elephant in the room. And we're talking about all these ways that we can do this and choose like to be in our own power without disempowering other people. I think that is just 
it seems so like, yeah, that's how the world is, right? Like, I feel like, you know, you and I are kind of, kind of from, I think, that's sort of the same era of growing up generationally. And it was like, that's sure. how the world is, right? And I feel like somehow that's not how the world is right now. <laughs> it's yeah. like setting me off my balance, right? But I love this. It's like, these skills are here. They're still here. We can still use them. If there are people who haven't come up learning them, well, we can just teach them to them. Sure. And it's all okay. Um, I, I love the example. So one of my best friends in the world, um, her name's Felicity. She's a doctor, and we're completely opposite. She is fifty. She is black. She has a pink mohawk, and she's a Republican. Wow, pink so mohawk Republican. Black, I love it. <laughs> she is a black conservative female. I love her so much mm, mm-hmm. because when people see the two of us interact, they don't expect that I'm going to be the liberal one. Like, let's <laughs> just talk about not ignoring the elephant yeah, in the room. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love talking to her because. We could not be more different in any way. We actually share the same faith Mm. and we worship the same way, but the way we manifest our values could not be more different. Well, how much fun of a social experiment is that? Yeah, right. And how much can you learn from each other, right? Yeah. Well, and and we completely recognize each other's differences, but the, the kicker is our values are the same. Yeah. Mm hmm. Where it like you can be completely different people and focus on differences, or you can be completely different people and celebrate your sameness. Yes, that is so amazing to me. She's one of my best friends in the world. I've mm-hmm. known her for twenty years. Okay, and every time we talk, we laugh at each other because it's like you goofy trumpet, and she's like <laughs> you goofy liberal, and we—it's hilarious. Oh, good. Well, that's and, that, that sounds like something I can't even fathom right now, which just breaks my heart, right? Because I used to just be able to have these conversations with people and they started getting touchier and touchier, right? Like it's been about a, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 years kind of slope for that I've experienced, right? Touchier, sure. touchier, touchier to the point that I remember hanging up on a friend of mine and be, I was like, listen, I don't want to hear what you're saying. I'm finding it offensive. We have so much other things we can talk about. I didn't want to hear it. And I just was like, uh-huh. we have other things we can talk about that we agree on. And I would rather hear that. And the reason I didn't want to hear it was because the statements were intentionally offensive to provoke. Right. Uh... And I was like, you know, you know that I don't like, you don't know that I don't, I don't go for that. I don't even think that's what you really believe. Right. Which was upsetting to her. You know, I was like, I think you're just saying that. Right. And then I was like, look, let's just not talk about it. I, you're, you have your right to your opinion on it. Let's just not talk about it. And then um, my friend kept coming at me and kept coming at me. And I started over, you know, started talking over her and saying, like, I asked you to stop talking about this. I am going to hang (laughs) up if you don't stop this subject and move on to something else in your life right now. And then the last thing, the next thing she said, and I hung up on her. And then I did this with the receiver, right? Even though I think I had a cell phone at the time. (laughs) I'm gesturing like I hung up with the cell phone or with the receiver. It was so satisfying back in the day to just slam that receiver down. But I think I, yeah, right? You could just really hurt somebody's ear. But I think I, you know, clicked the button and and hung up. And then uh, my friend called me right back. I remember taking a deep breath and being like, okay, I'm going to answer the phone. And I answered the phone and she said, you hung up on me. And I said, I told you I was going to hang up on you. And she said, you did. I was like, right. And she said, I'm hearing you now. And it was great because we set boundaries. Yeah. Right. I wasn't furious with her. Right. I just was like, this is upsetting me. I don't want to fight with you about this. Yeah. But, you know, but I mean, and that was, I think that was nine or 10 years ago that that happened. Right. And like conversations for me started getting to the point that I avoided them. So I love this idea of just being brave having compassionate confrontation, saying, Uh I do have an opinion about this, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, it's definitely easier said than done. Um, I think that it's okay, again, to, to, there's always a balancing act with boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? We all, nobody wants to be a doormat. You've got to have boundaries and self-care and you've got to be able to protect yourself. Um, the other person needs that too. And so there's this recognition, there's this mutual recognition of, okay, here's what we each deserve Mm. um, in this conversation. The other recognition that needs to happen, and this is just communication 101, but you're going to take turns being the talker and you're going to take turns being the listener. And those are very different skills. Yes. I happen to be a direct, I say what I need and I mean what I say. Direct communicator. I, I love that. Yes. I I wear my heart on my sleeve. That's how I am. 
it is necessary for me to learn to be compassionate because mm. otherwise I'll just spew verbal vomit all over everybody and that's not fair mm. to them. Mm-hmm. So I've had to learn as a speaker, because I'm a words person, to be respectful of who my audience is. That doesn't mean my message has to change, but the delivery does. Yes. It's so important. When I'm a listener, I also happen to be a direct listener. Now, mm. here's where the problem comes in. If the speaker is an indirect speaker mm. and hoping that I'm going to catch what they're saying without them saying it, mm-hmm. I promise you I won't. I'm not a mind reader. And ah, if you don't say it, I don't know what interesting. you mean. And good friends and spouses and siblings know that about each mm-hmm. other. But if this is a new relationship and you're learning each other's communication styles, if you don't know that I'm a direct listener and you're just hinting, I'm not going to get it and you're going to get mad at me. Yeah, right. Those are okay, things yeah. that people don't know about each other. So also, I think that a lot of people don't even know the terms you're talking about, right? And I, so to listeners, I want to say, like, I always love to promote a book that's on this show. So I'm going to say, go check out Talking from Nine to Five by Deborah Tannen. I don't, do you know Deborah <laughs> Tannen? Oh my gosh. She's, okay, she, so she was um, one of the first uh, language um, sociologists, basically, right? She's, she's a oh. linguist who like really studies in an academic sense, like how people talk. And she did these great studies in the 80s, I think, and really published this stuff in the in the 90s. But um, she did these great studies on measuring, like, like timing and listening to how many words a woman said to communicate versus how many words a man said to communicate, <laughs> right? Like these, sure. like these whole gender stereotype things that really hold water to a certain degree, right? This, we all sure. know the stereotypes come from somewhere, right? And so, yeah. um, so she got these great, great, you know, bits of information that showed how many ums and ahs a speaker would have, how many minutes someone would talk, how many words they would say to convey an idea, and then how often they spoke in what environment. So she learned that women spoke more, but they had the floor less, especially in the business world, right? And she was like, is this why they're speaking more? She was really trying to get to the nuts and bolts of it, right? So she also introduced these concepts that I think we they've, they've evolved since then. They've got different terms and everything. And I'm sharing this to you and also to the listeners, right? It's some great stuff that really <clears throat> buttresses up what you're talking about, that she shared these concepts of like the way we communicate in gender styles. And of course, you don't have to be a male or a female to do this, right? But very that commonly the common like kind of default oftentimes is that women communicate in what she called a circular fashion where it's more words it's more um analogies right it's indirect as you're saying typically it's often indirect communicators and also if there's a team involved the woman even if the woman is the head of the team and is going to make the final decision she really wants to hear everybody's opinion it's kind of like round table stuff right like everyone gets a vote everyone gets to tell me how they feel and i'll suss it out and i'll make the final call and i might even ask if you approve of it you know, but like, but we know that I'm the right. decision maker. And so she was really studying this when there was an influx of women in the workforce who were wearing big shoulder pads and, you know, power yeah. suits and ties, right? Yeah. And like trying to talk yeah. like men and queen being each other. And she was like, okay, how do we, how do we, how do we even this playing field in some degree? And then she learned that with men, there's commonly what she called, at the time she called it one up, one down communication style. And I'm, I'm kind of doing this with my hands where I'm, I'm sw- switching them up, right? <laughs> and so she would say like, you know, her, and one of her examples is, you know, here's a boss and his underling, and he's in control, and he's dictating really quickly with just a few terse words. Here's what the report needs to have in it, da 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 you know, and give me the content by 3 o'clock on Friday, right? And then that's it, right? Then conversationally, they switch to talking about cars, and the underling is really great at cars and has all these sports cars and collects them and has done this thing his whole life, and the boss really wants to get into it but doesn't know much about it. Now, the underling is the up guy, Uh and he's ribbing the boss and calling him goofy names and making fun of what the boss doesn't know, right? And he doesn't lose any points for that. He doesn't get in trouble, right? They just take turns going one up, one down. And women kind of keep us all circular, right? And so, you know, it's these indirect styles of communicating and direct styles of communicating. And again, they do not have to be connected to your gender. But there are these kind of common ways that we connect with each other. When we're on teams and we understand how we speak and, as you've said, how we listen, which can be different... That's even more great information for us to connect with each other. I love that you mentioned that, Jenny. Well, and and in terms of being mindful, if you take a minute and do enough self-analysis to decide if you are, as a 
We're listening, but we have a Zoom freeze again. Indirect. <laughs> okay, and yeah. It's a, it's a quadrant. Like, it's, it's a mm. square with four little squares, right? Mm. You're a direct speaker. You're a direct listener. You're an indirect speaker. You're an indirect listener. And then those overlap. So there's yeah. these different possibilities. If you can identify what kind you are, then that will help you with the mindset that you need to get before you go into the confrontation. Yes. You've got to know... You've got to know how you speak and how your audience hears you. And then during the conversation, when you're the listener, because you get to speak, you've got to be able to know yourself well enough ahead of time, because that's the only time you're going to be able to dictate your own response and mm. not let them dictate it for you. This is really good stuff. And I um, I have to take a quick station identification break, but I want to just sure. kind of like seed in first, like this idea that... <clears throat> Sometimes people think, like, it's not my job to do that. So we're going to pause for a second, right, as we ponder that, okay? okay? <laughs> All right. So, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today on Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul on WVLP 103.1 in Valparaiso, Indiana, also streaming live around the world at WVLP.org. To support our station or to ask questions or connect with our show or other shows, you can phone U.S. area code 219-476-9000. Today's show is underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc. Communications Coaching, teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment with a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world. Kiki Productions, Inc.'s philosophy is when you are confident, focused, and authentic with your message, you are a magnet to those you wish to attract. Share the love at coachkiki.com. You can also find our show if you are interested in the podcast version directly at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tune in mindful radio. Oh, there's an Instagram page now and stuff too, but you'll find us. You'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> So we were just talking with Jenny Bennett-Bashensky, who uh, is a local Valparaiso business owner and educator and workshop entrepreneur, and she has this really (laughs) great concept of teaching, particularly women, about compassionate conflict and even compassionate confrontation. And we're just digging into the details of like that great quadrant that Jenny mentioned about direct and indirect listening and speaking in all the different places. Right. And I said, (laughs) as before the break, a lot of people will go into it being like, that's not my job. They need to figure me out. Right. So if someone walks in Jenny with that mindset, what kind of progress are they going to make in this compassionate conflict? Well, again, it's a choice. Mm. So I can choose to not do the work and let somebody else not only dictate the conversation, but probably continue to dictate the situation that led to the conversation. There you go. Or I can choose to do the work, empower myself in advance, choose to be kind about it, Mm -hmm. and then actually have a system so that I can maintain my power, not only in the conversation, but in the situation, yeah. that's where the mindfulness comes in. You don't have to be intentional. It's it's hard work to be intentional. It you can be willingly. That's fine. <laughs> and people are always going to walk on you, and you're always going to wonder why there's no boundaries, and you're always going to be a doormat and sad. Okay, right? But I see this. I do see this. Like like watching on other people's Facebook pages. Right, the whole conflict that comes up and people you know saying they're they're speaking from the cuff right shooting from the hip kind of right and they're so angry about it and then it's they 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 and finger pointing right and and you know again i'm speaking in like broad terms here this is obviously not the only thing that happens on facebook right yeah right um but you know we we definitely have seen this pattern right of like when that happens and maybe we've been sucked into it ourselves right of just that kind of thing of like just responding Uh reactively right and to me, it always surprises me because I'm like, but I have the delete option on social media, right? <laughs> like, I just haven't, I just haven't stepped in it yet. You know what I mean? I'm very lucky that I haven't stepped in it yet because there are many times that I have let those typing fingers fly yeah. and then I take a breath and I just go delete, delete, delete. And like, that's yeah. how it's worked. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. I don't have to put it out there for, for the, forever. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> now when I'm speaking, well, I don't have that option. <laughs> Social media really is its own thing in mm-hmm. terms of of uh, the psychology of it and the the practical day to day execution of it because 
when we were kids, so I, I remember being nine years old and getting my first diary. It had horses on it. Mm, and it was a, it was a big girl thing to have a diary with a key yeah. and a padlock. And you yes. had it under your pillow and you told the diary your secrets. Yes. And the key was on purpose. You yes. didn't want people to know. Oh, yes. I'm 46. <laughs> I'm not that old. So in yeah. 35 years, we have switched to everybody gets to know my opinion yeah. because it's that important. And I'm going yeah. to Facebook page and you're going to agree with me or you don't get to be in my life. Yes. And then I'll take that to the rest of the real world. Right. So and, and I'll say I kind of I see that progression of how it happened. Right. So we'll let's retrace it for any younger listeners. Right. That it started with blogs. Blog is web log. <laughs> right. You're literally putting your journal out there. That's what it was. You went on to front page or you went on to GeoCities and you made your own website. Right. And it was your blog uh-huh. and it was literally your web log, your web journal. It was your diary of your thoughts. It was your diary. It was what mm-hmm. you did. And you <clears throat> you put your, your journal out there for the world. And it was fun to find other people and like to connect in this way because we weren't all hostile and crazy about it yet. You know, but then like it just became, it just became, I don't even, Uh then, (laughs) I don't know. It was like a time warp. Like all of a sudden we got here. (laughs) Well, and it's, there's an entitlement factor that like, of course, everybody has the right to, to express themselves and to express their opinion. Nobody's saying they don't, but, but there's an entitlement piece that, that subconsciously states not only do I have the right to express this opinion, but I have the right to try to pound it into you until mm-hmm. you think that my opinion is the only one because otherwise we can't be friends anymore. Yeah. That's a very big leap. It's a very big <laughs> leap, right? And it's so interesting to me. And it's <clears throat> it's also interesting. Now I'm just going, you know, I'm, I'm just like babbling sociologically I think but I'm just so like why did I don't understand yeah anyway I'm gonna I'm gonna get off that little soapbox there (laughs) it's it's an endless loop nobody understands right nobody understands somebody might but I don't get it um yeah so if you're out there and you understand then you can set me straight you can leave a message on our um, anchor page right right? or web or Facebook you can just tell me how it is (laughs) that'd be great well and so you and here's back to back to kind of the do I want to do the work or not or is that my job or not right so and I, people think it's mean kind of when I say that's your choice, but yeah. I really do believe it comes down to choices. So here's another little metaphor. So I'm in the middle of a, of a painful situation and I, the way I visualize it is a circle of fire around Ooh, me, right? Yeah. And the flames aren't burning me, okay. but I am in the middle of the circle and I've been there a long time and it's hot and it's loud and I have blisters and I can either stay in the ring of fire or I can walk through the flame for a second and it's going to get worse for a second but Mm -hmm. then I'm out and when I'm out I'm out yeah that's a choice yeah and we can can see why it's so scary yeah Mm -hmm. and and at least you're not getting burnt right Mm -hmm. at least the flames don't got you Mm -hmm. you're going to stay in the ring of fire Mm -hmm. or you can suck it up prepare yourself mentally first this is going to get worse for a minute Mm -hmm. this is going to get worse for a minute that's Mm -hmm. not fair Mm -hmm. and I'm going to cry and be mad but then I'm going to walk through that flame and I'll have scars for the rest of my life, but I'll be out. Ooh, that's such a powerful that's metaphor. empowering. Yeah. So you can do the work or mm-hmm. you cannot do the work. That's okay. Either yeah. one is okay, but yeah. wow, the results are different. Yeah. They're so different. So now you speak as someone who has done her work. How much of that do you want to share about why you're so motivated oh, yeah. to, to share um, this? <laughs> you know what? I will say that I love being in my 40s. I'm mm. so good being in my own skin. Um, mm. And I was raised in a family that was completely close to each other and loving. And I had a really good childhood. I did grow up in an alcoholic home. Mm. And I come from divorce. Mm. And married my high school sweetheart and had an amazing life. And then also went through a divorce. Mm. And had to go through a single motherhood and working and raising kids. And I have an autistic daughter. And so... I mean, everybody has their stuff, right? But it was this combination of factors that now that I'm in my 40s and living this life that I love, it's like, but every single one of those hard conversations led to me being able to help other people now who have to have hard conversations. And that makes it beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what I like too about the way you just shared all that was you, you led with all the wins and you're like, yeah, there was lots of bad stuff in there. And you're just, you know... 
you're not dropping it like, oh, it was, I got through it. It was fine. You know, it's yeah, like, I don't want to right? minimize that. Yeah. Thing. Every bit of it is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. But you learn the, the right choices that I, it's choices, the right choices. choices that I made through those things, the wrong choices that I made through those things. Um, I really do believe that got smart. He took my bad choices and made them good anyway. Nice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and and now, you know, I get to I get to um, reap the benefits of all of that. So it's a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. But none of this means that it's easy or that um, being a good person is going to absolve you from the difficulties. No, it's still going to be hard. Yeah. It's it's how you're going to look at it and how you're going to empower yourself and take personal responsibility for your role in it. Because it can be stuff that's somebody else's fault. I know, right? Isn't And that feels so unfair, doesn't it? And that's where we get stuck in victimhood. It totally does. Right? Yeah. Right. Okay, well, that's somebody else's fault. Well, yeah. as long as it's their fault, I'm at their mercy. Yeah. It's only when I take personal responsibility for my role. And I don't mm. mean blame because right. blame and responsibility are different. It yeah. might not be my fault. I can still take responsibility because then my happiness is not decided by them anymore. Mm. Okay, that's so powerful. Now, and it brings me to another question that we haven't talked about yet. I don't even know the answer to this. Do you talk about forgiveness at all in your workshops oh, as goodness, a piece yeah. of that? Okay, tell us about how that fits in and where. Yeah. Um, so... Forgiveness is a gift that we have to offer to somebody. Mm. And the irony is that we often have to offer somebody who doesn't deserve the gift. Mm-hmm. When it is the most powerful is when we offer it to somebody who has not asked for it. Mm. And the reason I really, really believe that is because if I have the power to offer my forgiveness to somebody who hasn't asked for it, I'm the victor. It sets me free because I'm not in bondage to that person mm. and their whims and their timetable anymore. If I don't make that decision for myself and if I don't offer the forgiveness anyway, I spend the rest of my life sitting around waiting for them to ask for it. Mm. Why would I do that to me? Why would I do that? To- I like me. Yeah, right. I'll go ahead and offer the gift, even if they haven't asked for it, because Mm. then I'm not sitting around waiting for them anymore and their timeline. I can just offer it and then be done and move on and not be stuck. Yeah. It's taking your own power. Right? Yeah. And so for anybody, you know, I've heard this great phrase, too, that says that um, holding a resentment is like drinking (laughs) poison. And expecting it to hurt the other person, right? Like, it's uh-huh. like, we're really only hurting ourselves. So so then I hear, like, you know, on the other end of that, forgiveness is really a gift I give to myself, even though I'm not Absolutely. the other person. Yeah. Because it, it, it's liberating. Mm-hmm. Because the opposite of forgiveness, forgiveness is that I'm, I'm offering this. I'm giving it away. Well, if I don't do that, I can hold on to it instead. Mm. But the more I hold on to it, the heavier it gets. And if that becomes a pattern of how I operate with people in general, then I have lots of heavy that I'm holding on to from lots of people because I'm spending so much time waiting for them to ask for forgiveness. When if I would just give it, I wouldn't have to carry it. Yeah, right? It's like a heavy backpack that you can choose to take off. It's really take heavy. <laughs> yeah. And why do they get to decide? If this person mm. hurt me, why do they get to decide when my freedom comes? Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I'm not angry or scared or sad or justified in being ticked off about what they did to me. Like, or that I you trust them again. Over that. Yeah, right. Or, or that you trust them again. I think a lot of people think, you know, maybe we mishear that turn the other cheek concept, right? And we're, we're not trying yeah, to. because <laughs> I think there's a misconception mm-hmm. that if I release my victimhood, I somehow am minimizing what happened to mm, me. Yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. Yeah. If I release my victimhood, I'm taking the power back over the situation. That situation used to have power over me. Yeah. I am choosing to let me have power over me. Yeah. Egyptian doesn't have that power anymore. Yeah. It's completely different mindset. Yeah, that's awesome. 
it's it feels empowering. Just even talking about this makes my body feel lighter. So if you're a listener and you're hearing that, right, it's like, oh, like you know, if, if you're tapping into that, if that that appeals to you, right, then uh-huh. this is this is this is good stuff. So it's so much more peaceful. Yeah. I know we aren't having like in-person workshops at the moment, a lot of places, but where can people find out more about this and connect with you if they want to learn and can, and go to your next workshops? You know what? I would say reach out to me at the orchestrated events, um, website or Facebook page. I'm easy to find on social media. Um, because our goal is as churches and nonprofits start to open back up. That's mm. usually where you can find this kind of content. Okay. Kind of or whatever, um, or self help things or whatever. Yeah. Right now, a lot of it's on Zoom, and it's just hard to get. You know, you might get a dozen people to attend, and that's fine and nice. But um, if the churches and nonprofits start doing conferences for 120 people again, and you get to have lunch and you get to have a, yeah. that, it's so much more powerful, and there's nice. so much more community there. So that's kind of what we're waiting on. But of course, okay. we want to do it safely. So Good. we're waiting. So yeah, if you're somebody who's thinking about you know creating an event, a conference or something, right? Reach out to Jenny there. I would absolutely. I could be a speaker. I could help set it up. I can organize it. I get other speakers. I can get content. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. For sure. Listeners, you are listening to Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. I am your host, Keila Parkinson, and we stream live around the world at WVLP.org and broadcast in the Valparaiso, Indiana listening area at 103.1 FM. You can also find our show directly for your listening convenience in podcast version at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio or whatever podcast platform you prefer. Tune In is underwritten in part by Unity of Northwest Indiana, currently developing the premier center for spiritual growth and education in NWI with meditation walks, retreat house events, and a soon-to-come peace park. Learn more and support the growing movement at unitynwi.org. <clears throat> all right, I got through that without having to clear my throat, but there, <laughs> I had to do it after all. We are talking today on our wonderful show about mindfulness, about Compassionate Conflict with Jenny Bennett Bashensky, who herself is an entrepreneur here in Northwest Indiana. She is Valpo based and she has some great events um, programs and an events business, <clears throat> events based business. And she has this wonderful content on compassionate conflict that she mostly delivers to nonprofit organizations, especially for women of faith. And uh, but if you're listening to this, you can definitely lose use these skills in all kinds of ways. <laughs> Yeah. Use them, don't lose um, them. <laughs> it's it's funny because, you know, okay, so events aren't going on right now, so does that mean you don't teach this stuff? Oh, no, we teach <laughs> no. it every day. Yes. Eric, my husband and I, between the two of us, we have six kiddos, and they start at age 24, and they go down to age nine. Wow. And um, I, I'm a talker anyway, you can probably tell. And <laughs> Good. I have always, my three kids we've just always had roundtable discussions mm. and we've always had open-ended conversations and they've always been able to to be in on the democratic process at home and, nice. and be heard and, and all of that stuff because that's how I've raised them. Well, my two girls came first and they're older and now we've got my little guy. He's the nine-year-old and he's killing me. He's going to be the deputy. <laughs> Everybody said that the girls would be harder okay. and that if I had a boy, he would be easy and they all lied. So I was not prepared. <laughs> so it's funny because we very much teach this stuff to them. And I think that that is something that we are lacking. Like if, if, if the adults can't communicate, there's no, we certainly can't expect the kiddos exactly. to ever learn it. Right. Yeah. Like we don't teach it. Mm-hmm. So when my little guy was six, we started talking to him about things like integrity Ooh, good. and we would, we would spin it as, Hey, bud, there's a big word coming. Are you ready? Because we think you're big enough to handle it now. This Ooh. is probably one you haven't heard before. And he'd go, okay. And we'd go, integrity. Have you ever heard that word? And he'd be like, uh-uh. Well, integrity is when you do the right thing and you make the right choice, even if nobody sees you. And then you see his little wheels turn and he's yeah. sick, right? So good. You teach these concepts when we're little. Mm-hmm. And if you've never done that before, okay, do the work, learn the concepts. Yeah. People when they're little, we either think they can't handle it, we think they're not smart enough, but you know what? The kiddos are smarter than we are. Yeah, 
That's right. So I would rather he learn it when he's six than when he's 46 going, no, wait till ever told me what integrity was. Well, yeah. that's why you make crappy choices then. Yeah, that's right, right? And they can handle, like you said. I like how you I like how you preface that. Like he's like, ooh, can I handle it? Am I ready? And then he's really dialed in and listening. And then he, right? and then the like, concept. We trust you, but yeah, we think you can handle this work. Mm, so so we, he's nine now. He's in third grade. And that's the with boys we're starting to get into heavy duty video games yeah. and we're starting to get into heavy duty sleepovers and the rules at this house mm. are different than the rules yeah. at this that you know they're all different yeah so we talk to him about those things all the time so that he can feel empowered if he's going to tell his little neighborhood he's not allowed to play whatever mortal yeah. combat 19 right. <laughs> He needs to be empowered enough to say that without being scared, without being afraid that his friends aren't going to like him anymore Yeah, and still make the right choice. You know what? I am a little boy of integrity and I know that I'm not playing the game. I also know I'm at your house and my mom might not ever find out. Am I going to make the right choice or the wrong choice? I would rather have him have that practice over Mortal Kombat when he's nine than mm-hmm. over a joint when he's 15. That's right. That's right. And he's never had practice. Yeah. He's never practiced mm-hmm. integrity before. Yeah. Right. And then it, so and the, yeah. he's little. And I love that because, too, you know, we know that like the prefrontal cortex is the last part of the brain to develop, right? The kids are in sure. their late teens, early 20s, even mid 20s, some studies say. Some now are saying 27 for some people, right? Like you're practically right. 30 years old before you finally get that whole decision making thing. Yeah down right and we certainly know there are lots of people like that and um and also we know that typically it's it's slower in boys to develop because it takes both hemispheres right and they have smaller corpus callosums that connect it right so google all this stuff if you're a listener and you don't know these words right but but it's great stuff and so when they have had that opportunity to practice those things and learn that what we also see in studies so far is that wiring starts to happen and the prefrontal cortex develops earlier and so because it doesn't it's have to practicing. be, right? It's practicing. Now, I was a quick decision maker when I was 12 years old, right? And I mean, I think yeah. I made some pretty decent choices. I have some really hard and fast morals, even in my days where I was drinking, right? Like, and that, because that's part of my story. But even in those days, I was the kind of person who like, I was like, people would tell me like, you refused to drive. You knew you were drunk, right? And I'd be like, well, thank God that that's hardwired in there because I don't even remember that night, right? So so that was yeah. like an experience, right? So like, I know that I have these hardwired morals. Part of that is because my dad did sort of a similar version of what you're talking about that his mother did to, with them. And he would say, it was it was a shorthand phrase. He would say, we'd be walking out the door. He'd be like, what are you, what are you going to remember? We'd be like, one girl, all girl. And his phrase was, I don't know if you've heard this one, right? One girl, all girl, two girls, half girls, three girls, no girls. He grew up in a house full of boys. His mom said the opposite. One, one boy, all boy, two boys, half boy, three boys, no boy. And what that means is when you're by yourself, you're using your whole brain and you're thinking for yourself and you're making your personal choices. Whether you're with a friend, you can kind of start to share a brain a little bit. And you kind of go, well, what are they doing? Well, maybe I'll try that, right? And you kind of like you're learning from each other and you're sort of not using all your cho- own choices. When you're with your friends, right, the peer... Um, peer pressure and all these kinds of things come in and you can turn your brain off and just have group think right yeah. and so that's what that's what this message was and he would say if you turn your brain off and you have group think and there's a consequence don't think you won't be held accountable you'll be held accountable by the system you could go to jail for watching even if you're not participating right if you're if you're not stopping people for something you're that right. you know is illegal and in our household you will absolutely have consequences and we were like oh and we had to have that critical brain going i mean he was teaching me that from one time it was nine that's when i first started hearing yeah. that phrase yeah, mm-hmm. yeah love it such such so, and i love your conversation is so great and so the last thing i want to ask you because we only have like we have less than 10 minutes left, right? I can't believe okay. time just flies. But the last thing I want to ask you about is when you are teaching about compassionate conflict and compassionate confrontation, do you have like a system and a process and these are the steps or are you teaching these skills for people to kind of discern and use or some combination? I think it's definitely a combination. Um, I, I definitely have uh, content written out that I use both in like speech form like i can definitely be on a stage and deliver it to a big old group right and have my little anecdotes and they're gonna laugh and i'm super and i'm talking to you with my hands now nobody can even see me i know and i love it (laughs) yeah i'm super animated so i can definitely do that Mm -hmm. i also can do smaller groups or one-on-one conversations or whatever because the content is all written out it's also adaptable if they 
if we needed to do a little seminar or if it was breakout sessions or if it was, hey, this was the overall, you know, yeah. speech was 45 minutes long, but can we do a little 15 minute role playing session? What would that methodology be? I have yeah. all of those specifics right? too. So it can be big or it can be little. I love that. And I love that what you're saying is basically I will customize it to your brain, right? Like how are you sure. going to take this information in and how are you going to remember it better? If you need a few steps and we need to break that down, then that's how I'll teach it to you. And I think that's wonderful, right? Because again, you're letting people make their own choices and practice the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not at all saying anybody needs to be like me because they're not gonna they're not gonna to speak and in the same way you or you do. Like they need to be yeah. able to own it. Yeah, they need to be able to tweak it. Um, so much. I would say, I would say eighty percent of it is mental. Okay, and then twenty percent of it is actual walking into the conversation. And what are you going to say? And what's your body language mm-hmm. going to look like? And all of that. Because if you get the mental part down, you're going to be, you might still be scared, but you'll be confident enough if you've done the mental work that when you're walking into the situation, your body language and your nonverbals will reflect that. Um, and it and it's a process and you're going to screw it up and that's okay. Yeah. One of the that's things, how we learned. My husband and I got married five years ago and mm. in my vows, I did all the stuff I was going to promise to do, right? Yeah. And my last promise was that I promise I'm going to screw all that up. Everything <laughs> I just said, I promise. Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> I was in my marriage vows. I said, so Love it. what I'm going to ask you is that we spend the rest of our lives learning to say I'm sorry mm. and learning to say I forgive you because we both need to know to do those things. That's awesome. And you take turns. Yeah. I promise <sighs> you I'm going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I God, I wish that that were like everybody's wedding bells. But that comes from two people who have been there, made mistakes, right? and learned from living. Yeah. So yep. good. And he cracked up. He was like, See, "That is so good." On the video, like you stood here in front of the pastor, and That's you're going to be so a funny. Wife. Yes, I did. Yep. I said you're going to yep. be a bad yep. wife. <laughs> yeah, some moments, yeah. right? Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh my goodness, so We're good. Very okay with mistakes in yeah. our house. That's good because if you learn to say "I'm sorry" and you learn to say "I forgive you" and you mean it, yeah. It's not that the mistakes didn't happen. It's not that the mistakes don't hurt. We're not minimizing any of that. Right. But you don't get to stay stuck. Yeah, because what good does that do? You, your family, the world around you, right? What is the point of all that? What, is, what good then does it do for your soul? Then we have full of people carrying it. Well, that's really heavy. It gets harder and harder. So we talk about yeah. this concept of entropy, right? Like this, you know, like like degradation, like crudification, corruption. Sure. I mean, th- when things break down, decompose, right? And when we have that, we can have that emotionally and that contributes to depression. It contributes to anxiety, oh, right? Yeah. Yes. And we don't have to live with that either. I mean, obviously, there are things that cause it. There are valid reasons for having it, right? And of then course. so much, so, so much we can do to get out of it. Mm. Well, and that's the thing. If you're going to be depressed and sad, at least learn the tools that will help you cope in the midst of that Mm -hmm. rather than not learning the tools, not doing the work. And so then you're just destined to be depressed and sad forever. That's horrible. It's so sad. It makes me want to scoop them up and go, no, no, it could be better. Oh, so good. So good. Because, yeah, I think a lot of people get that message like, okay, well, now you've been diagnosed as depressed. Now it's clinical. Now it's not reversible. Now this is what you do for the rest of your life. And that's not empowering. And it, it doesn't have to be true right i mean even people right. who have clinical depression that is validly diagnosed which there are many people in the world there are still all kinds of steps you could take for managing it in the moment and minimizing it's the cupcake. It. we're going to go full circle back to the diabetes diagnosis that we had at the beginning of this conversation Good it's job. not fair that you got diagnosed with yep. depression right that's not fair nope. you get to be sad and ticked off because it's yep. not your fault and when you're done feeling that way because yeah. you get to yeah when you're done feeling that way, let's talk about all the things yeah. you can do. Let's talk about sunlight therapy and exercise and movement, right? And breathing and Tools other things that are box. mindful. Your does yes. not have to be empty. So good. Jenny Bennett Bashensky has a lot of tools in the toolbox that you can use, that you can look her up, that you can find. I'm so happy to connect with you. You are an excellent guest, and I can tell you have been Thanks. on this. Yes, yeah, so nice and so Thank fun. You. Come back anytime and tell us more about ways that you are practicing mindfulness day to day, how you're bringing this to community. Thank you so much it. for everything. So, so fun. Yeah. Tell listeners one more time how they can connect with you. So the shop is 
orchestrated events. We have a website. It's www.orchestratedevent, no S, dot com. Um, our phone number is 219-252-4587. We're open Monday through Saturday now because it's event season. Events yeah. are coming back um, from weddings to college graduations. We did a bio party this Yay. week. Um, <laughs> and so if you have questions or concerns about the health department or your COVID plan or excise or Aunt Sally's mad at you and telling you not to go party right now, whatever. <laughs> right. We can help you do it and do it safely and well because we. St- at the end of the day, we still believe that life deserves to be celebrated. Yeah. that is my motto. So good, so deserves good. To be celebrated. That's right, and we do not have to live in fear. We can live safely and not in fear. Right, we can do that. It's not either or. You. Can That's do it. right. Oh, I love it. All right, I'm gonna go. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. right? <laughs> so good. Have <laughs> church. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for being our guest on the show Thank about you compassion for having conflict. Me. This was fun. Thank yeah, you. All right. Appreciate it. We'll see you later, meditators.